Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can learn more about the vision or give financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. I got a, uh, a message back on Sunday, May the 2nd, Sunday, May the 2nd, 4 o'clock in the afternoon from Liz Malloy. Liz and Shannon Malloy have been a faithful part of Awakened Church since our first Easter service in 2013. They've led small groups, led on teams. Liz sent me a text, and it was a picture of her mother in the hospital, and uh, the text said this, thank you for that message today and for that song, Gyra. Remember we debuted, Jaira, you are enough. They sang it better than me. Thank you for that song, Jaira. It's all that's getting me through this day today. This is my mama. Stage four, ovarian cancer, just three weeks ago, and she's so sick. Praying that we get time with her and that she finds comfort. Y'all, this morning, Liz and her mom sat second row right here, worshiping. Doctors told her this past week she doesn't have cancer. Um, <laughs> Which is crazy. It's, it's crazy because I've been on the other side of prayers like that, where it seems as though healing doesn't come, and we go, ah, what's going on? And, and I want you to know, as your pastor, I can't explain it. All I know is that God has the power to do whatever, whenever, however he wants to. And, and that's the God that we worship today. And so you may be facing some impossible today. You may have a prayer request. You go, man, the doctors have said no. Um, or maybe life, you look at life and you go, I don't see how I'm going to get through this. Y'all, we have a God that, that can respond in any way that he sees fit. And so our response is we pray and we ask and we believe. Amen? So I want to jump in today and uh, finish up this series called Plus One. Uh, it's a series where we've been looking at how God wants to use us to reach people in our lives. Uh, maybe our spouse, maybe our kids, maybe coworkers, neighbors, friends. How he wants to use everyday average people like me and you to make an impact in this world. And so uh, we're looking at Paul today. Several weeks ago, we looked at Saul, turned Paul, gave his life to Jesus. And uh, I want to look at a story today that I believe is one of the most powerful things that Paul did and left for us as an example. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I want to read this for us, and then I'll break it down and, and, and maybe help you understand why I think this is so important for us as a church, specifically for those of us who would say we're following Jesus. Acts 16, verse 1. Paul went first to Derbe, and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. Now his mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. For everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem. And so the churches were strengthened in their faith and they grew larger every day. Y'all, this is Paul. Paul did a lot of things in the New Testament. He wrote 13 letters in the New Testament uh, Paul planted churches, scholars say about 20 churches. He planted, that means he went to a city, he led some people to Jesus, he developed leadership, and he left the church to grow. 
Uh, Paul went on four different mission trips that we have documentation of. This guy did an incredible work throughout the book of Acts and in the New Testament. But what he did here, I believe, is the most powerful thing because what he did was disciple a guy named Timothy and then left the church in his hands. And if we really think about how we're part of the church today, people have done that generation after generation after generation after generation. It's raising up, discipling, and leaving the church in the hands of those that come behind you. This is why it's important for us because every single person in this room can model what Paul has done here. Maybe you can't preach, great, you go, oh, I can't be a public speaker, I'm scared to death. Maybe I can't write letters, you know, I'm not going to write the Bible, none of us are. Uh, maybe I can't go on a mission trip, right? But what you can do is exactly what Paul did here, and that's disciple somebody. And you never know what that somebody's going to actually do. I've decided to call this message, We're Better Braided Together. And uh, I've got my fishing pole right here, because I'm going to give an example about it. So, I'm going on vacation pretty soon, and what I love doing on vacation is fishing. We got any fishermen in the house? Fisherwomen in the house? Come on, somebody. My wife can fish. Uh, y'all good in the risers up top? You ready? You gonna catch it? Joe, I should have tossed something up there to you. The first service, we literally had people looking like, oh my God, he just cast up to the risers. Uh, one of the things I've learned through the years is this. There's, there's obviously different types of, of fish in line. Uh, what, what's on this and what's on your standard pole is what's called monofilament, right? And this is, it's easy to use, it's cheap to buy, and obviously you can catch fish on it. Uh, the problem with it is it's not incredibly strong and it's really hard to cast far away, especially from the, so- the shore. Most of my fishing, it's off the surf, it's off Sullivan's Island, and so the goal is, how far can I cast this line out into deeper water? And so the line of choice that I use is, is usually braided line, right? And braided line, this is a bigger picture of what braided line is. It's essentially a bunch of different strands that are braided together that makes the line a lot stronger. Problem is, it's a little more expensive because it takes more time to create. Right? And so what you have is all these lines braided together. This is just a kind of a zoomed-in version. And so when you cast it out and you catch something, the different lines actually work together. Their pressure binds together, and it gives you a greater return on whatever it is that you throw out there. Here's what I want to submit to you as a church. If we are going to be a church that is actually strong and goes longer and goes stronger together... We need to figure out how to braid our lives together. We need to figure out how not to do this life alone as a, I'm a a Christian, right? So I'm doing life alone. It's like, no, no, I'm actually made, the Christian life is meant to be braided together with other believers so that you can be stronger and go longer and have a greater impact for the kingdom, right? So how do we do that? That's the question. How do we do that? And and I would would submit to you today that there's, look at me getting all tangled up like a good fisherman, right? Right? Man, y'all watch out for that. I think there's three different types of people in the room right now or watching online right now. You fall in one of three categories. The first is this. That this is one strand. You would say today, um, and these three, they, they, they represent three things. One, this is an individual. Two, this is faith in God. Three, this is other people. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this. I want to read this for us and then explain what braiding looks like. We're told that a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. 
but two can stand back to back and conquer. And three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. A triple braided cord is not easily broken. There's three strands. There's an individual. Maybe this is, everybody falls in this category. You're either, you would say, I'm, I'm good. I'm living life alone. I'm good. I don't need nobody. Maybe you're not even a Christian yet. You would say, I'm just, I'm good. I'm in my lane. I don't have really close friends that know a lot about my life. Nobody's in my stuff. Like nobody knows my dreams. Nobody knows my fears. You're just kind of isolated and alone. Y'all, a lot of people navigate through life alone. They never tell you about it. Even right now, as we're coming out of a year of isolation and quarantine and things of that nature, a lot of people are alone. Or maybe you're in this camp. You would say, you know what? I, I actually have friends. I got other people I do life with. I got great friends, right? But I don't have God. God's not in the middle of those friendships. Faith is not a part of those friendships. So I'm good. I got people, but you would say they're not really founded in faith. Or maybe you're here and you would say, you know what? I've got faith, right? I got a relationship with God, but I don't have people to help me grow in my relationship with God, right? Like it's a private decision. It's kind of this personal devotion, but, but you don't really have people that are entwined with that with you to help you grow stronger. My hope and prayer is that we, we would definitely seek to have all three in our life as a church. And I think that's the unique thing the church can give us, right? It allows me to have, yes, other friends and relationships to help me grow in Christ. And it also, obviously, it has to be founded in faith. Like, that's the whole point of relationships in the church. And so what we see Paul do with Timothy here, and why I want to break it down, is because he picked a guy and he said, I want you to come into my life and I want us to go on a mission of pursuing God together and we will be stronger in our relationship because of it. And that's what every single one of us is invited into when we step into the church and we step into Christianity. But it's not going to happen accidentally. If you're taking notes, this would be a good one to start with. When we start thinking about how do we get our lives braided into what God wants us to do, how do we get stronger and how do we last longer for the kingdom of God? The first thing we have to remember is this. Braiding, right, this takes intentionality. Braiding takes intentionality, y'all. It will not happen accidentally. Now, I want you to think about the most important relationship in your life, the one that you value the most. If you're married, it's going to be your spouse. It should be your spouse. If it's not your spouse, we got counseling for that, Right? The most important relationships in your life don't develop and nurture and get stronger by accident. You've, you've got to put purposeful, intentional investments into those things. I want you to think about um, your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend, if you're dating right now. All right, now, maybe you accidentally saw them somewhere. You saw them at a restaurant or you saw them at, uh, in class or you saw them at work, right? But after you accidentally saw them, and you started pursuing them, there was some intentionality that came into play. Like you asked her out, right? You, you set up the date, you called her back, you texted him back, you didn't ghost him. You were like, yeah, I actually responded to this guy, right? Like you, you actually worked on that relationship and so now it's nurtured and now it actually is something. You think about parents that are in the room. Like kids, you don't naturally just have a great relationship with your kids. You gotta put time and investment and energy in that. You gotta work on what they love to do and encourage them in their craft and what they enjoy, right? Like you, you're intentional if you want that relationship to get healthy. Or maybe a coworker if you were trying to build better relationships. 
right? Like you ask them questions, you spend time with them. It's every, every important relationship in our life takes intentionality if we want it to get stronger. And what we see with Paul here is it was no, it was no different. Paul goes into a city, he's on a second missionary journey, and he goes into Lystra. And when he gets into Lystra, he hears about this guy, right, that has a reputation named Timothy. Timothy, uh, his mama and his grandmama were great women of faith. So he hears about this guy, and he's like, I'm going to go pursue Timothy. He goes to Timothy's house, and he says, Timothy, I I like you, and I want you to come be on this mission with me, but I want us to see why I believe he chose Timothy. Keep in mind, Paul could have chose anybody that he wanted. Paul was like legendary, right? And Paul could have come and say, I want you to come be a part of me. This guy had a reputation. This guy had a testimony. But Paul looks at Timothy and says, I want you. And I think this is the reason why. Timothy represented something that Paul wanted to see built for Jesus. At this point, there was a lot of segregation in the church. There was a lot of racial division in the church. And and I want you to look at what we find here because Luke decides to tell us, Timothy, Timothy had a mom who was a Jewish believer and a dad who was a Greek. What does that mean? It means this was an interracial marriage. Ethnically, this was a blended family. And, and Paul looks in and goes, uh, and th- by the way, this is what was happening back in Jerusalem. Back in Jerusalem at the time, they had a vote called the Jerusalem Council to determine, can the gospel even go to the Greeks? Can the gospel even get to the Gentiles? What does that look like? Like there were some Jews that were like, no, 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 it's just for us, it's just for us. And Paul's going, no, 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 it's for everybody. Salvation is for all people. And so Paul goes into Lystra and he sees Timothy. What does Timothy represent? Timothy represents a a son raised in a marriage from both racial backgrounds. And Paul goes, that's my guy. Why? Because that's the church that I wanna see built because that's the church that Jesus died for. And so Timothy, I want you to come on this mission with me. I'm gonna invest my life into you and you're gonna do it with others. And this is the church that we're going to see built. Paul did this with intention. This was not accidentally at all. And he says, Timothy, come join the mission. And they would go on journeys together. There was about a 20-year relationship with Paul and Timothy. Eventually, uh, Paul would leave Timothy as the pastor of the church at Ephesus that Paul himself planted. This was with great intentionality that he invested in this guy. Can I just help you see that in the church, there's going to be some times where a leader or a staff member might come to you and say, hey, I see something in you and I think God could do something incredible through you. And you may be sitting there going, oh, no, not me, not me, I don't wanna do that. Listen to me, listen to me. It's not on accident, it's with intentionality. And you might see God do something incredible through you if you say, okay, let's go. Like, I'll jump on mission. Or maybe you're a leader here. You lead a small group or you lead a team, right? What's it saying to us? Well, if you're leading people with intention, look out. Look out and look at others and go, hey, let me call you up. Let me see what God can do through you, right? That's exactly what Paul does here. He says, Timothy, come on board. And y'all, look at what happened when Timothy said yes. And this is where I want to speak to just sacrifice for a minute. Verse three, Paul wanted him to join them on the journey. And in deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised. Now, when we ask you to lead at Awakened Church, (laughs) we we may ask you to sacrifice some things, okay? 
Like, if you, if you say, yep, like, I'm going to lead a team on a Sunday, you, you may, you're going to sacrifice some sleep, right? You'll get up a little earlier. You're going to come early on a Sunday. If, if you lead a small group, right, you're going to have to sacrifice some time. You're going to care for people. You're going to be calling people. Um, or you're hosting a small group. You've got to open up your home. may mean, like, throwing stuff in a closet on a Tuesday night at 6 o'clock because everybody's coming over, right? There's, there's going to be some sacrifices involved in leadership. It's part of leading. It's part of serving, Right? And, and so Timothy here, Paul says, hey, I want you to come on mission. And Timothy's like, let's go. I'll do anything for Jesus. Really? And, and, and what's interesting and why, why I believe the circumcision took place is that we're told that it was in deference to the Jews in the area. And what's crazy about that, that word deference, it literally means humble submission. It means that in, in, in humble submission to the Jews in the area, Paul arranged for Timothy to be circumcised. What's interesting is later on, Paul calls Titus to be one of his followers and says Titus doesn't need to be circumcised. It's interesting because it's like, was this a double standard? What's the reason? And, and let, me, let me just put this in front of us. The reason Paul's got a younger guy in Timothy. Timothy's probably 20, 21 years old. The Jews are going, hey, if we're going to follow him, he needs to be circumcised. Paul decides this is not a hill to die on. Timothy, if you're going to be most effective in your leadership, it's best that we go ahead and circumcise you. Why? To honor the tradition of these Jewish Christians, but we're not going to require it for people moving forward. It's a major lesson, I believe, in spiritual maturity for a young leader that Paul intentionally developed in Timothy. What he basically says is, look, you don't have to, but you should. Because in doing so, you're going to gain credibility. And eventually, this is what Paul eventually put him in charge of the church at Ephesus that had a huge Jewish population. And what Paul knew is that if he positions him to be a pastor and he's got a whole chunk of people that are going, no, 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 we're not going to follow him because he's not circumcised, it's going to be an obstacle to his leadership rather than something that will be an asset to his leadership. And so Paul says, look, Timothy, you don't necessarily have to, but you should. And by doing so, you're going to go farther. Can I tell you what leadership is a lot of times? Those of you that maybe want to step into spiritual leadership or you're leading a group or you want to lead a team or you want to see God do something through you, what, what leadership is a lot of times is I don't necessarily have to, but I'm going to. Or, hey, I can do this, but I'm not going to do this. It's called wisdom and it's called maturity. Just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Paul would write, hey, everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. Right? Just because you can doesn't mean that you should, right? It's kind of like me. I could go out right now. I could go out this afternoon, July 4th, the Saltwater Cowboys on Shim Creek. Amen. Good place, right? And I could order a beer at a table. You know why I don't? It's permissible, but for me, it's not beneficial, right? You got to make decisions. And what Paul says here in this passage is this He says, Look, what I'm encouraging Timothy to do, Timothy, you ready to ride? This is going to take some sacrifice on your behalf, young man. Get on the table. And most of us would have been like, I'm out. But Timothy says, no, it's worth it because I've been called out to do the most important thing I can give my life to. And I'm going to take the gospel forward. And that's exactly what happens with Timothy. Timothy was circumcised and then Timothy jumped on mission with Paul. And they would spend, like I said, about 15 to 16 years together on the mission field before he would go and pastor the church at Ephesus, which is just amazing. So braiding takes intentionality. And what that means is when you latch onto somebody that you want to follow and that you want to be like and you want to become more like Jesus with them, 
They may call you up to do some things that may be uncomfortable, but the call of Jesus is worth it. And, and so just know that. The second thing is this, braiding, if we're gonna have lives that are braided and strong, it requires having a relationship. It requires a relationship. The danger of the church, the danger of westernized discipleship is this. It's about information, not transformation. I want you to keep in mind, the vast majority of the earth right now, a lot of third world countries cannot read. If it was about information, we would be excluding a large group of the population from actually knowing what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus, when he invited people to follow him, this is what happened. Go back to Mark chapter two, or Mark chapter one. Uh, Go to John chapter one, John two. When, When he's walking along the Sea of Galilee and he invites his disciples to follow him, what does he say? Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What he's saying is, latch your life onto mine, watch what I do and do what I do. It's as simple as it gets. The, the Jewish custom at the time, you had rabbis and you had disciples. Think teacher and students. Now, if you were a student, what you would do, if you wanted to be religious, you would go to a rabbi and ask the question, can I follow you? You would go to a rabbi and say, hey, I like your teaching, I wanna be like you, can I be your disciple? You would request following of the, of the rabbi, and the rabbi would look at you and say, sure, Come follow me. Jesus steps on the scene, and Jesus says, come follow me. And a disciple in Jewish customs, most scholars would say, would walk so closely to the rabbi that the dust from the rabbi's sandals would actually end up on the clothes of the disciple. So if you were to go to Jerusalem, you would would see these packs of men walking around following this teacher, this rabbi, and they would just listen to his every word. Anywhere he went, they would go, like, if he ate, they would eat. If he served, they would serve. This was, this was commonplace in the first century Jerusalem. So think about Jesus. Jesus says, come follow me. And what does he do? We see the stories where he takes these disciples on mission with him. Transformation. And over a period of three years, they become more like Jesus. It wasn't so much about what they knew intellectually. It was what they did with their lives. They were on mission with Jesus. Paul here says, Timothy, come be a part of this. And look at what he says to Timothy in 2 Timothy verse, or chapter 3, he's writing a letter to Timothy years later. This is when Timothy's a pastor. And this is what Paul says to him. Chapter 3, verse 10. But you, Timothy, you certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering that I've endured You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Paul's looking at Timothy going, Timothy, of all people, you know, because you've been there. Let me ask you a question. For those of you that have been, been a Christian for any period of time, who in your life could you look at and ask the question or say to them, hey, you know me because you've been there with me. You know what I've prayed for. You know what I've dreamed for? You know what I've struggled through? You know what I've overcome? Right, like, who, who can you say that of? Listen, I, w- I want us to be a church where we can look at each other and go, hey, we've got some years together. We've actually navigated through life together. We've seen us overcome good or overcome bad and we've seen us celebrate good and like Paul's basically saying that to Timothy. Timothy, you know everything about my life. We've done this together. Now go do that with 
other men. Go do that with other people. That's exactly what he says. He didn't say, hey, you know everything that I've taught. You know everything. You learned everything that I taught. Now go teach that. No, he's saying, I want you to go take other people on this journey that I took you on. I want you to invite them to be like you as you try to be like Jesus. So what does that mean for us? You know, I I think the greatest way to learn is just on-the-job training. Now, I, I, I think school's a good thing. Parents, I don't want you to email me on this. School is good. Kids, don't drop out, okay? Um, college is good. Don't drop out. But what I would say is that when we look at some of the most successful people that run the world right now, they quit school and immerse themselves in their craft. Think about Mark Zuckerberg. No matter what you think about Facebook, the man quit school with his friends and launched into this company, immersed himself in this craft, and built something amazing, right? Uh, you think about Walt Disney. Walt Disney didn't go to school. He's an artist. What did he do? He immersed himself in his craft with those around him that enjoyed doing the same, and, and he created something incredible. Michael Dell, Dell Computers, same thing. Quit school. Bill Gates, same thing, right? You go, okay, well, these guys are really brilliant. I don't want you to focus so much on the brilliant. I want you to focus on the effort. What do they do? They immerse themselves in what they found important and through it, they built something amazing. Y'all, ministry is no different. It's no different. I've been around this game for about 20 years, and I've seen guys with incredible degrees, and I'm not knocking degrees, but the ones who've made the greatest difference for the kingdom of God are the ones that said, let's go. I'm gonna lock my arms up with other people, and I'm gonna go make some disciples. And they may not have the degrees, and they don't have the diplomas hanging on the wall, but they got a line of people going into heaven behind them. That's, that's what ministry is. That really is what ministry is, and that's what Paul invites Timothy to. He says, look, let's just go. Let's go. We'll learn it as we go, and we'll have stories to tell and things to celebrate. And again, you can get education along the way. That's fantastic. That's fantastic, but it's not a prerequisite. And if you think somehow I've got to have the degree or I've got to sit in church for three years before God can use me, if you're trying to qualify yourself to be used for God, like the minute that you think you're qualified, I would say you're disqualified. Because if you think you can do it without him, that's a problem, you know? And so I would say just jump on board. Maybe you're here and you're going, look, I don't know what this means for me. I would say, hey, if you're not in a small group, if you haven't made a decision, I'm going to get into a small group, I'm going to get on a team. That is the first step to actually braiding your life together with some other people that will help you become more like Jesus, right? So that's the first step for you. Now, the last thing, and I'll close with this, right? Because braiding takes intentionality, uh, braiding clearly requires relationship. And then lastly, braiding brings an accountability. And I wanna talk about accountability for a minute because accountability and judgment look really similar. Let me say that again. Accountability and judgment look very similar. If you go to Planet Fitness, not knocking it, because it's like 10 bucks a month, right? But if you go to Planet Fitness, what's on the wall, anybody know? It's a judgment-free zone, right? Judgment-free. And when you go to the gym, maybe you don't want to be judged. But can I just tell you, there's, there's two types of people that might want to go to a gym. Some go to a gym, and, and they want accountability, right? So when I walk in, uh, you know, I walk into a, church, a, a gym, a gym and a church, very similar. Right? I was talking to uh, John Gooding at the zoo. He owns the zoo in West Ashley. And uh, I went, I made my walk of shame back into the gym after a while. And I said, hey, John, I made the walk back. He said, hey, you're back. That's all that matters. And it made me feel so good. 
He and I have talked outside of church that uh, being a gym owner and being a pastor is very similar. Because when you ain't seen people in a while, they feel like this sense of guilt or shame. It's like, no, 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 I'm just glad you're here. Glad you're here. You don't need to explain anything. But you, you could be the person that goes to a gym and you want it to be judgment free and you get pizza on the way out. Or you could be the type of person that goes to a gym and you got an accountability partner and they're saying, be here at seven o'clock and we're going to grind hard for 90 minutes, right? Like it's still a gym, but your approach is very different. Well, can I just tell you that if you're truly going to braid your life together, like you want to be more like Jesus, you got to view accountability in a healthy way. What does that mean? It means that you're inviting people into your life to call you up into who God wants you to be, and you don't view it as them calling you out for being who he's not wanting you to be. You follow me? It's, it, it really just has to do with your view of sin. Look at what Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4. Paul said, throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live, Timothy, and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and for the salvation of those who hear you. And then in 1 Timothy 4.12, he says, I want you to teach these things and insist that everyone else learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young, but be an example to all the believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. What's happening here? Paul is looking at Timothy saying, look, I want to call you up and remind you of what it looks like to be a godly leader and a godly young man. Don't waver from that. And, and when I think about accountability, y'all, it's the game changer in this life. Accountability is the game. I, Michael Jordan, the last dance. Greatest athlete of all time, by the way. But in the last dance, there's this whole take on his like extreme level of accountability that he brought to the Bulls and to his teammates. And how some people just couldn't take it. Some of the teammates were frustrated with it. They were annoyed with it. They're like, man, your standards are way too high. But Jordan would say, if we didn't have that level of accountability, we couldn't be champions, and all of us wanted to be champions, right? So if we all want to be champions, then let's set the bar really high and let's get there. Christian discipleship is no different. Like if we all want to be like Jesus, let's raise the bar and call each other up to the bar, right? Because then when you miss a small group and the small group leader calls and it's like, man, I haven't seen you in two weeks. Is everything okay? There's two ways to look at it. One way to look at it, you know what? I signed up for the small group because I want to be more like Jesus. Or you could look at it and go, golly, I only missed two sessions. What's the problem? Why are they judging me? You know, it, it's, it's all in how you view it or maybe serving on a team on a Sunday or, man, maybe you just navigate through some stuff in life, making some poor decisions, got some bad relationships. And, and, and maybe there's a Christian in your life that's going, no, no, I remember. I remember when you, when you first fell in love with Jesus and you were first baptized and it just seems kind of you're off path now and come back and you can view that as judgment or you can embrace it as none of them calling me up to be the person that Jesus wants me to be. And if you want to have a strong life, be braided with other people, you got to embrace that level of accountability and not view it as judgment. And y'all, Timothy, this is what's amazing. Timothy would go on to lead that kind of church. Like the church at Ephesus, like the term Ephesus, it, 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 it's translated means desirable. Like it was a desirable city. Paul essentially hooked this boy up with an amazing city, a great church in an amazing city, which I love, because it's kind of like Charleston, amen? 
You don't think Charleston's an amazing city? Try to go to Folly after church today. There's a lot of people from around the southeast that have come down to see us. Paul says, I'm going I'm to put you in Ephesus. And Timothy would labor there as a pastor for years. But what he did was he established a solid church for the gospel that went on for generations. Why? Because of this relationship right here. And y'all believe we can do the same thing. I believe that every single one of us can braid our lives in with other people that make us stronger in our walk with Jesus and our impact for him will go much longer because of it. And maybe today, and this is what I wanna leave you with, the same three strands I started with, everybody in here is one of them. Maybe you're navigating life alone, you don't have a relationship with God and people right now. Listen, maybe right now in this service, at the close of this thing, you make a decision. I'm gonna give my life to Jesus and I'm gonna let other people into my life through relationships. That'd be the decision you need to make. Or maybe you're here and you go, I got faith. I got a relationship with God, but I'm kind of isolated from people. I've pulled back. I'm not in a small group. I'm not on a team. Maybe at one point you were. And you look back and go, yeah, those were good days. But I've, I've kind of scaled back. Maybe today God's saying, no, no, like, pull other people into this relationship that you have with me. You're going to be stronger because of it. Or maybe you're here and you go, look, I got great friendships, but I don't really have faith in God. But what he's calling you to today is, no, no, bring, bring God into those friendships and watch how strong I make them, right? Because that's what the church is designed to be and do. And so here's what I want to close with. The band's going to hold off playing for a few minutes. And I'm going to ask all of you guys to respond. Grab the cards that are in the seat back in front of you. Can everybody just grab one of those cards real quick? We got pens and cards. If you're on the front row and you need one, just ask the people behind you to hook you up. I believe today, 4th of July, there's somebody in the room or somebody watching online. And more than anything else today, you need to make a decision to allow God to come into your life. You're over here and you would say, man, I'm looking forward to fireworks and I even got some friends, but I need a relationship with God. Can I invite you to respond today and just check off, I wanna start following Jesus? We'll get in touch with you today. We'll help you take your next step on that spiritual journey. Just check off, I wanna follow Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you would say, I've already done that, but I need to invite some people into my life and get in a group or get on a team. Can I just invite you to check that off right now? Lights are up and you got pins. You say, I need, to, I need to allow some relationships to come into my life to make me stronger in my walk. Just check that off right now. And then lastly, maybe you're here and you know somebody who needs one of those two things. Would you just write their name on the back so we can pray for them with you? So we can join you in praying that God would get a hold of them and maybe even use you in the process to reach them. I wanna pray for us and then give space for you to respond as God's leading you this morning. Father, I thank you for the example that you gave us in Paul and Timothy. I thank you that, God, you wanna use us to help other people grow closer to you and actually strengthen their life. God, I pray that we would understand if, if we wanna be stronger in our witness for you and we want our lives and our impact for the gospel to last longer, that God, we would allow other people in and we would braid our lives to other believers starting today. So God, in the quiet of these moments and this time that we have to respond, God, I pray that you would lead some to take a step that may even be uncomfortable, may mean sacrificing some things. But God, I pray that, that they right now would take a step of obedience and invite you in and invite other people in. So God, even now in these moments, just move as only you can. In Jesus' name I pray.